Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 438 for Friday, May 13th, 2016. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, we're back with Bart Bouchats for installment number 14 of X of his continuing series, Programming by Stealth. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine, although I'm, I didn't actually know it was Friday the 13th until now, which is probably a good thing because I get all paranoid about it otherwise. <laughs> but it's a very special Friday the 13th. Today is the 11-year anniversary of the NoSilicast. Oh, well, congratulations. That That is, 11 years in podcasting years is impressive. <laughs> yeah, since I think it was only uh, maybe, let's see, it was five, six, seven or eight months before that was, before we started was uh, when podcasting actually was invented. So uh, yeah, it's pretty old for that series, but uh, hats off to you for the contributions you've made over the years, which is pushing 50% of the work I've done has been your work. <laughs> not quite <laughs> i just come along and say interesting stuff you, you do all the production and icky stuff oh, okay yeah you don't do much with this whole programming by stealth thing you don't do any work yeah that's good or okay no, okay bits, you don't do any work <laughs> okay maybe okay okay fair enough point taken <laughs> bart is not good at taking compliments so we will move along but uh i also wanted to tell you that i uh uh i th- thought maybe i needed a refresher on what we've been doing here in programming by stealth since it's been quite a few weeks since we did it so i went back and listened to the last show and uh i realized why people like us we're fun to listen to i was laughing while i was walking well, good. I, I can't say that happens very often in programming lectures, so good for us. <laughs> I laugh every time I make you say booger. So uh, <laughs> it's been suggested by a comment on uh, iTunes that sometimes I'm childish, and I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if you can't take a joke, you know. Hey, I did want to tell you something else. I've been practicing. Are you ready? Okay. S- seven modulus three is one. Woohoo. 19 modulus six is also one. But nine modulus seven is two. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> By Jove, I think she's got it. I was actually practicing to get ready for the show today. <laughs> well, that's fantastic because there's a few modu- moduluses, moduli, whatever the plural of modulus is, uh, stuck in the show notes. And as I was typing them, I was kind of going, uh-oh, little little, little landmine here we're about to try it on. But no, oh, good, no. landmine diffused. Yeah, I was a little worried uh, people would think I'm a complete idiot. I do know what division is. I'm good at it, and I know what remainders are. I understand it. It was just that whole word modulus and the way it's written. It just it didn't stick, but I've been working on it. Yeah, well, I think Alistair was onto something in his conversation on the Nasilicast G, G, G plus Google plus thingy. Uh, basically, if you see like, you know, X uh, plus sign Y, you don't, you keep the result of doing the thing, whereas with the modulus, the thing you keep is the thing you normally throw away. It's right, unusual. the remainder, yeah. Yeah. It's an so odd it, thing. It, it is a very odd thing. And of course, the percentage sign generally means percentage in most people's heads, and now it means keep the remainder, throw away the main bit. It's it's all a bit weird. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard, but it's very important. I'm getting the hang of it. Yeah, it's an important concept. It keeps coming back. Anyway, we are digging into the next section of Programming by Stealth, and given how long it's been since our last... Um, Installment, given you off swimming with turtles and generally having a great time. Uh, I thought we might do a slight little sort of a step back for a moment to see where we are big picture wise before we set off again. So we spent the first good chunk of this series learning about HTML, which is all about saying what is on a web page. So not what it looks like, what it is. This is a paragraph, this is a heading, this is a list, etc, etc. And then we moved on to CSS, which is all about how it looks. So those two are completely separate, you know, disentangled from each other. You have the what and the how it looks are separate things, different languages. 
And then we made a start on learning JavaScript in the abstract. And the reason for doing that is because learning how to make, how to integrate JavaScript into web pages is actually quite a difficult task. And trying to learn JavaScript in the abstract and how to integrate it into web pages all at the same time is just a recipe for confusion and general unpleasantness. <laughs> so that's why we've broken that apart. And so at this stage, we've done two installments, I think, of JavaScript in the abstract. And in those two installments, we've learned about three very important concepts that are common to just about all programming languages. And we've learned about them in the JavaScript way. So we've learned about variables, operators, and branching. And so now we're ready to move on to a related pair of equally important and equally fundamental programming concepts, which are arrays and loops. And those two are very much related to each other because one, well, you can have loops without arrays, but having arrays without loops is just pointless to a very <laughs> large extent. So that's where we are today. Now, because we're still JavaScript in the abstract, we're still playing around in our JavaScript playground, which you can download and run the code yourself because the JavaScript playground is written in JavaScript, HTML, and CSS, <laughs> which is wonderfully self-referential, uh, which does also mean that at the end, of you know, as we do more and more of these, you will eventually be able to go back and look at the code of the playground where you learned in and understand how that works as well, which is kind of weird and cool. Uh, so you can download the code, run it yourself, or there is a live version running on bartb.ee linked in the show notes. So that's where we're going to be running our test code today. Okay, cool. So let's get stuck into these array-like things. Um, I like to think of an array as a single row of those old-fashioned pigeonholes that you used to see in offices all over the place. <laughs> and you label them from zero, because that's what computer scientists do. So you label them numerically, and you call the first box zero, the second box one, the third box two, the fourth box three, the fifth box four, and as, you know, until, you, until you have all the boxes you need. Uh, because JavaScript is an untyped language, Every bit of data you stick in each pigeonhole can be of a different type. So you can have one array that contains a few numbers, a few strings, a few booleans. It's all good. Uh, which, if you're coming to JavaScript from some of the more strongly typed languages like C or Java, this this may make your brain explode. So it's but I guess anarchy, for, right? I mean, what freedom, yes. you hippie. <laughs> yes, and also the freedom to shoot yourself at the foot. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are pros and cons to strongly typed versus loosely typed languages. Um, I love them both equally. They're just, you know, different places, different things coming handy. Anyway, so think of your array as just this pigeonhole full of... So it's one variable that contains multiple pieces of data, and we, we label those datas with a number starting at zero and counting our way up. Okay. So... To write it in JavaScript, again, just like with any other variable, we declare it using the var keyword, we give it a name, and then we open a square bracket, and then we just start listing our values separated by commas, close our square brackets, and we have created ourselves an array. So you'll see the sample code there says var my array equals open square brackets, inside single quotes, a string, comma, 42, comma, true. <laughs> so that is an array with three values inside it. Element zero contains the string a string. Element 1 contains the number 42. And element 2 contains the Boolean true. I don't know how you can consistently not make a mistake and not call that 123 and successfully call it 012 every time you say it. Well, I did CS100 in 1997. <laughs> so it's in your DNA, you mean? Actually, did I do it in 97 or 95? No, it was 97, yes. Yes, because I graduated on September 12, 2001. That's a date you don't forget. <laughs> Yeah, a very weird graduation ceremony. 
because, mainly because the guy graduating us decided he the way to deal with 9-11 was to pretend it hadn't happened. <laughs> so we're all standing up there talking about our bright new future and the civilized world is collapsing around our ears, or so it mm. felt at the time anyway. Mm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So the reason I don't get it mixed up is because I've been doing it like that since 1997. Okay, you'll forgive me if I might mess it up from time to time, but I'm, I hope you'll correct me if I say it wrong. Indeed I will. And the other weird thing, the other weird effect this counting from zero has on computer scientists is that they've made up a word. You'll often hear a computer, a computer scientist or programmer talk about the zeroth element of an array. <laughs> what? That's nonsense. It's the first element. It's just called number zero. But anyway, so... Well, the, since we're talking about people that have things called NAN and... Uh, that's <laughs> true. So, the, yeah, the zeroth element. And NAN, which isn't null, which isn't zero. <laughs> okay, they can have zeroth. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's how we create our array. So having put stuff into the array, we probably might want to access the values afterwards. Oh, okay. And you access the values by giving the name of the array and following it by a square bracket, the index you want, and close the square bracket. So my array, open square bracket, zero, close square bracket, is the zero with, there we go, zero with element of the array. Okay, okay. And so on and so forth. Okay. And we generally call that number, we call it the index. So we say that the element at index zero is a string. The element at index one is 42, et cetera. Are arrays two-dimensional by definition, or can they be or no. one-dimensional? I mean, no. uh, Javis, can't yeah. they be four rows by three columns? Yes, but not easily in JavaScript. Because the way you do that in JavaScript is that you put an array inside. So you create an array, and then for the zeroth element, you create another array. And then for the first element, you create another array. Oh, okay. So Never an array mind. of arrays <laughs> is how you would do it, it, it's not JavaScript's forte. There are other languages where you can simply declare it as a grid, but simply say, give me an array and give two values and it will create okay. a grid of that size. JavaScript is not one of those languages. Okay, well, then it wasn't a dumb question. It was not a dumb question. I was quite hoping, I was quite hoping to ignore two-dimensional arrays and three-dimensional <laughs> arrays for a few more episodes yet, actually. <laughs> well, okay, uh, but I won't be waiting for you to drop that hammer on us in this part, so good. No, we're not going anywhere near multi-dimensional arrays, so if you're mathematically minded, for today, an array is a vector. That's what I'm looking for, right? That's the word I wanted. Okay, good. Zero to Okay, N. that makes no sense to anyone who's not a mathematician, and it makes less than no sense to, an, to a physicist who thinks a vector is a force in a given direction. <laughs> well, if you've taken high school geometry, you should know what it is. So. Yes, it's a one-dimensional matrix. Oh, oh, actually, yeah, it is an array. Uh, it is a uh, vector because it, it has a starting point. It can't go negative, correct? Yes, the indexes go from zero up. They okay. most certainly do not go down. Okay, good. There is no, there's no minus one position. <laughs> okay, good. That would really make everyone's head explode. <laughs> now, different languages have different rules for arrays, and so an awful lot of languages actually force you to give an array a size at the moment you create it. Yeah, I remember that from Fortran 4 with Watt 5 in 1980. Yeah. Because they actually create a grid in memory that is a certain size, and then you can plop stuff in. JavaScript is not like that. And JavaScript arrays are entirely dynamic, so they can shrink and grow to your heart's content. And as well as being able to shrink and grow, uh, they don't even have to be contiguous. You can have an array that contains a zeroth element, a first element, and a 42nd element. No. In between. No. Why? Well, because that's how JavaScript works. JavaScript doesn't care. 
It will consider the array to be 43 long, even if there's a whole mass of empty gaps in the bottom. So our code example here shows this. So we say var my array equals one comma two in square brackets. So we've created an array of length two containing elements zero and one. Mm-hmm. And then we say my array 42 equals 11. Well, now we have a 43 element long array that has a giant big empty gap. And JavaScript will not care. It will not give you errors. It is perfectly happy to do that. Let me think again. So you created an array that was uh, two had two index points in it. Mm-hmm. Two values and in it. So two. the value one and the value two. Okay. In position zero to one. Mm-hmm. And then what is just saying my array do by so itself? So my array port two says we're now addressing the, 40, the 42 index. And we're saying okay. give it the value 11. So Okay. So that's a whole new command. We haven't done that before, right? My array um, square bracket 42 equals 11. Well, we did it two paragraphs above there. Mm, I just looked back and we did not. My array zero, my array one, my array two, my array 42. No, we said var first value equals my array square bracket zero. This is just okay, saying so my array 42. That's okay, it's actually the same thing. So I guess in one case we're, uh, we're getting a value out and in the other case we're putting a value in, but the, the syntax that, right, is Right, we the have same. never put a value in. Okay. Okay, good. Because I, I, I looked back, I was like, wait, what is he doing? Okay, so now instead of, uh, yeah, okay. I think I'm yeah. with you. It's like you can have an X on both sides of the equals depending on what you're doing. Okay. So my, my array 42 is just a variable, effectively, the 43rd one in the array. And okay. we're saying make it be equal to 11. So syntax-wise, one more time, you said that things are uh, indexed from 0 on up, but then you called mm-hmm. them uh, elements 0, 1, and 42. Yeah, I, elements, uh, elements, elements are index, indexed. same thing? Okay. Yeah, the, the element, I guess, is this thing at the index. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've tried to use, I've tried to actually intentionally pepper the kinds of words computer scientists use throughout these okay, series okay. to make sure that we touch the common words, so that hopefully people who read other things on the internet won't come across weirdo words. All right, good. I just want to make sure I didn't misunderstand what you were saying. I'm with you. Okay. Now, we don't even actually have to put anything into our array at the moment we create it. We can just create an empty array and then fill it up later. So we can say var my empty array equals open square bracket, close square bracket, semicolon. So we now have an array. It's just of length, nothing. It contains nothing, but it exists. If you can add to an array that has stuff in it, and create more positions in it, that, then I can't see why you couldn't make an empty one. Makes sense to me. Exactly. Now, arrays have a property called length, which tells you how many things are in, or how, mm, yeah. how many slots there are in the array. And the thing is, if you make a gap, the gap still counts as part of the length. All of the gaps? All of the gaps count. Okay, so, so basically the, one that the length of an array... Is 43? Yes. So the length of an array is one greater than the highest index that contains a value. Hmm. Uh, so, because of the zero. Because of the zero. The zero, okay. this plus one thing keeps cropping up with arrays. Okay. So if you have an array that you've indexed as far as 100, it contains 101 positions. Gotcha. So its length is 101. So there's a little bit of sample code here that should work us through it for popping into our playground. So before we run it, let's see what we think it'll do and then run it and see what we say. So we start by creating a ver- uh, an array called A1, which contains the strings A and B. So when we say, okay, so sorry, you access the length by saying dot length. So array name dot length. So A1 dot length 
will be the length of the array A1. So we put in A and B, so you would expect the length to be? Two. Two. Then we say A1 at index 9 equals J. So now we say PBS A dot length. So what is the length now that we've put something at position 9? 10. It is indeed 10. And then we say, okay, so var A2 equals an empty array. So we say PBS.say A2, and it will say it's of length. No, there's no, nothing. Oh, it in. doesn't have a zero in it. Okay, got you. So, yeah, it's, so it's just zero? Zero. Yeah. Hmm. It has a, there's nothing in it, so the length is zero. So it's not plus one until it's zero's one, in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't say it's minus nothing. one. <laughs> uh, and then we say A2 100 equals boo, or boogers, or whatever you're, whatever you're going to say. So now what is the length going to be of A2? 101? 101. Okay, okay. That's, I think we're exactly right. So let's pop it into the playground and make absolutely sure that we are. Okay, so we copy, let's see, we go into this little thing and I forget which one it is, makes it say, oh, copy, look at that. And now... So we get 2, 10, 0, and 101. Okay, that didn't work. <laughs> I just pasted it in. It said Smog City Brewing Company. Apparently. Oh, that's... I think your clipboard may have had something else in it. <laughs> you tell where my brain was. Okay. And then uh, you've got inputs here, but we're not going to play with the inputs yet, right? Not going to play with the inputs at so the moment. Just run. Okay. All right. So I got two ten zero and one hundred one, which is what we said. Which is exactly what you predicted. So therefore, okay. I deduce that you understand this. Yes. Okay. So we have the ability to have multiple values, an arbitrary amount of multiple values, right? An array can be of any length that's positive. So you can just keep adding stuff into an array. So how do you process something that could be any length? Hmm. Well, you've got to somehow repeat the same action an arbitrary number of times. Now, that's called, in fancy computer science language, iteration. And one of the ways to do iteration, and we will come across another way in a few installments time, but the most simplistic way to do iteration is with a loop where you repeat the same action until some condition happens. And that condition might be we've fallen off the end of the array. So we're going to keep doing something as long as there's elements in the array, and when we're out of elements, we stop. So that is called looping. And that is the very obvious next thing to learn when you've learned about arrays, because how else are we going to use these cool new one-dimensional structures without something to loop through them? Right, right. So JavaScript offers us quite a few options for iteration. Um, I am not going to teach you them all because this isn't CS100. We're trying to be practical here. So for today, we're going to learn about the two most common basic loops, the while loop and the for loop. And I'm also going to put a pin in the fact that in a few installments time, we're going to learn about another technique, which is really cool, which is a very JavaScript-like way of doing dealing with arrays, which is something called for each. But that involves callbacks and stuff that we haven't learned about yet. So just put a pin on that. There is a third way. And the third way is a JavaScript way, a really JavaScript way, whereas for loops and while loops are exceptionally generic. Every language pretty much I've ever used has a for loop, has a while loop, and most of them have for loops as well. They're very, they're very, very generic. So let me guess, uh, for loop would be do this four, seven times? No. Now, we're going to start with the while loop because okay. the while loop is the canonical loop. And because... We use while loops in a certain way all the time. The for loop is actually, it does exactly the same as a while loop, but in a way that makes it easier to read. And if it's easier to read, you're less likely to make mistakes. 
And if you're less likely to make mistakes, that's good. So the while loop is very, very, very generic. The for loop is really good at doing things like dealing with arrays. So we're going to start with the while loop because that is the yeah, most straightforward. Great. So in the, in, according to the specification in JavaScript, the while loop takes the following form. While, open a round bracket, something that evaluates to a Boolean, close the round bracket, some statement, semicolon. Now, just like we have always been saying with our if statements and so forth, wherever the spec says statement, you can actually have a code block. And I would very strongly urge you to always use a code block. So what I actually want you to think of a while loop as is while open around bracket, something that will evaluate to a Boolean, close round bracket, open curly bracket, one or more statements, close curly bracket. Okay. And so that's the way I want to you to embed my, it in your brain. I will always use code loops, I promise. Um, uh, when you say something that evaluates to a boolean that is basically saying it has to be something that can be judged as true or false at some point yes well in actual fact what it means is that javascript is going to force whatever you put in there to come out as true or false so if you put one in there then one will become true and the, 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 the well that's, that's a bad idea because <laughs> that will, would mean while forever yeah that's okay. exactly what it would mean. Okay. So the way it works is, so you start off, you say while, and the very first thing you do when you meet a while loop is you check the condition. If it evaluates to false, then you just skip the loop completely and carry on with whatever happens after the loop. If it evaluates to true, you do the loop and then you recheck. And then you apply the same logic again. Did I evaluate to false? Okay, then skip. Otherwise, do the loop again. Reevaluate okay. the condition. Okay. Do the loop again. Reevaluate the condition. Until you get to a false, and then you jump beyond the loop. So you could say something like, uh, while x equals, or x is less than 7, and mm-hmm. then the statement says blah, 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 but at the end it's got to be indexing x up by 1. Yes, because if you forget to do that, and x remains 6 forever, then your loop will go on forever, because 6 will always be less than 7. Is that a place where I would have used uh, x plus equals? X it or is like that? the kind of thing, although plus plus is more common because you're plus equalsing by one. Oh, okay. Okay. But I could have. So let's equal. actually do an example. Okay. Let let us say that we would like to sum up. Let, we're going to take an array of numbers and we want to just get the total. So the array contains an arbitrary amount of numbers and we want to add them all together to give a grand total. Maybe it's part of some sort of billing system. So we're going to declare our array. We're going to say var a equals one, two, three, four, five. So it's a five-element array with the numbers one, two, three, four, and five inside it. Then we're going to loop through it. So the first thing we're going to, we have to do, if we're going to calculate a total, we obviously need to have somewhere to aggregate, you know, some sort of place to, to do our maths. So we're going to create a new variable that I'm calling total, and I'm going to set it to zero. So var total equals zero, semicolon. Okay. Now we need some sort of counter that's going to count our way through the array to use to, to let us step through the array. And by many decades of tradition, the name one gives this counter is I. Like an index. For index. Okay. Yeah. Good. This, this is not a requirement. It is just a tradition that is so ingrained in computer scientists that it transcends language. But it's nice because you look at it and you know, oh, he's probably going to use this as an index. Yeah, exactly. Okay. If you see a variable called I, it's almost certainly going to go around in a loop. Okay. Uh, so we say var i equals zero because the first element in an array is at index zero. That's why we start our counter at zero. Okay. So we say while, and our condition is going to be i 
less than a dot length. Okay. So a dot length is going to be five, but the highest index is four. So less than is what we want. Not less than or equal to less than. Hang on. So our, our array uh, mm -hmm. has an a dot length of six. No, five, zero, the last... Oh, zero, five, sorry. Yeah. Got you, zero yeah, you five. See, this, this, this little zero thing causes us trouble all over the place. Yeah, yeah, since if you had 42, 7, 11, 26, I would have been okay, but you had one, two, three, four, five in there. Okay, so we've got uh, our A dot length is five, so you're saying mm -hmm. while I is less than A dot length, so when A dot length, or when I hits five, then this would stop. Yes, so this will have this will evaluate to false. The loop will be skipped, and we leave. We so carry this on. will only execute four times. No, because I starts at zero. Ah, right. Okay. The first time we come in at yeah, zero. I got you. No, I'm yeah. with you. Okay. Okay. So inside now, the loop, ah, was it me, not you? <laughs> <laughs> so inside the loop, the first thing we do is we increment our total by whatever the value is inside that element in the array. So total plus equals a open square bracket i close square bracket semicolon. So the first time we're in the loop, it will be a zero. The next time it will be a one, a two, a three, a four, and then the loop will obviously stop. Okay. So how lost, do we make the lost holding hand up? What okay. is what is a one, a two, a three? What what? Okay, so a is our array, which we have, yeah. which is indexed by zero, one, two, three, four. So AI is A0 the first time. Yep. Yeah, hang on. We want to get the value back. stored in the array. So Thank how do we you. get up? The Thank value? you. That was, that was, okay. So it's A square back at zero would be the position or the, the value that's in position zero. Yes. So in this so case, A square bracket zero would be the number one because that's what's in there. Yes. Okay. Okay. So. And I, in this case, we're using I instead of an actual explicit number so that we can change it. So every time we go through the loop, I is going to be different. So the last line we have inside the loop here is the really, really important line that stops it being an infinite loop, which is a very bad idea, is I++. plus plus. Make I one bigger than itself. Okay. So we did so use the plus steps. equals. That made me happy. So Good. total becomes a what it was square before. Yeah, so total becomes what it was before plus the value in, in element, the value at index i of the array a. Okay. That sounded longer than, it, it's so much shorter in code than in English, which is why we write programs in code and not in English. Okay. So let's step through it in our mind and then, then we'll run it for real. So we start off when we create a. So a now exists with its five values. Mm -hmm. Total we set up to be zero. I we set up to be zero. So then we arrive at the loop. Is zero less than the length of the array, which is five? Yes, it is. So we enter the loop. So the total becomes zero plus the value at position zero in the array, which is one. So zero plus one is one. So total now equals one. Okay. I plus plus. So zero plus one is one. So I is also one. <laughs> I really now wish we you'd put different numbers in the variable in the array, but okay, right? Now we reevaluate the condition. So is one less than five? Why, yes, it is. So in we go again. So our total now gets incremented by whatever is at position one in the array, which is the number two. So one plus two is three. I gets incremented again. I is now two. Is two less than five? Yes, it is. In we go again. 
add another number on, increment i again. This keeps going until i becomes 5. Is 5 less than 5? No, it isn't. Leave. Okay. So when we print it out, we should get the total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So 1 and 2 is 3, and 3 is 6, and 4 is 10, 15 is what I'd hope to see. So let's, let's run it and see what happens. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <sighs> okay, I lost you on a turn somewhere. How did it... Okay, wait. Okay, it's 15. I can do maths. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. It didn't follow you 100%, but I, I, I structurally okay. understand what you did, but I'm not sure I could... I'm positive I couldn't reproduce it. <laughs> Let me put it that okay. way. So, so the index is down. going up by one, so that, that just makes it go in each loop. It's going zero, one, two, three, four. And when it hits Correct. five, the whole thing stops. So that's what the index right. is doing. In the yes. same time, the total is adding the values in the positions of the rate. Got it. Now I'm with you. Okay, perfect. Okay. And I think actually what I'm going to do, I'm going to edit those show notes to make them 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Oh, that would be way better. <laughs> that would be way better. So I, I, will, I will do that when we finish recording. Okay. But now everybody's going to think I'm an idiot when I, couldn't, when I kept getting lost with the ones 10, being ones 10, and the twos being twos. <laughs> 30, 40, 50. So now it's not going to evaluate to 15 anymore. Okay. And uh, now evaluates to 150. Okay. You testing it? <laughs> now, yeah. Okay. So this is a very common code pattern. Create some sort of index variable, loop through all values of that index variable inside an array, and then the last line of your loop is to increment the index. So you have an initialization there where you're initializing i, then you start the loop, and then you increment i at the end of the loop. That's a really, 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 really common pattern. And the problem is i is spread over three lines. So seeing what happens i means looking in three places. Now, in this case, there's only one line other than the i++ inside the loop. But what if there were 10 lines? Then seeing what is happening to i becomes scrolling up and down. And it's easy to make a silly mistake. And that's why the for loop was invented. The for loop is going to allow us to have everything to do with i on one line. So we can see really clearly, i starts here, this is the condition, and this is what we do to i. Hmm. Okay. So it allows us to see our iterator in one line and should, in theory, make it less difficult. So a for loop has the following form. For, open bracket, some sort of initialization statement, semicolon condition, semicolon, some sort of increment statement, close the, cur close the round bracket, and then a statement. Of course, we replace the statement with a code block. So what I'd like you to remember is for initialization, semicolon condition, semicolon increment, open curly bracket, as much as you like, close curly bracket. So the initialization, let, let's rewrite the exact same code as above as a for loop, and then we'll see how it behaves. So the initialization statement is done exactly once at the start of the loop and never again. The condition is checked, then we do what's in the loop, then we do the increment, then we check the condition, then we do what's in the loop, then we check the, then we do the increment, then we check the condition, we do what's in the loop, do the increment, check the condition. Hmm. And once the condition goes to false, we jump past. Okay. I haven't lost you, or have I? Uh, no, I, I, I need to see the example to okay. really Okay, so if you scroll down, then we have exact the same loop, which I will also change to end 20, 30, 40, 50 to save you. Yeah, it's just better. Okay. 
So now we have shrunk our code for a start. There's fewer lines already. So we say var total equals zero. because we So we declare our array and then we say var total equals zero because we need some sort of totaler to count what we're, count our numbers up. Then we say for var i equals zero. Now that's exactly the line we had above, but be- before it was in front of the for, of the while loop. Now it's part of the for loop. Okay. Oh, that's, there's not going to be a while loop at all. I no. thought you were adding a for loop to a while loop. That's where I was getting lost. Okay. No, no, no. So the for loop is does instead. the same job as a while loop, but it allows you to do it in a way that it's easier to watch i. So it's just so easier the second, to read? Easier to read, which means harder to make mistakes. Okay. I'm a, fa- so I'm what a you fan of that. S- yeah. So on the line you say for var i equals zero, semicolon, i is less than a dot length, semicolon, i plus plus. Well, that is everything to do with our incrementer on one line. We're starting it at zero. We're going to keep going until it's as long as it's less than the length. And what we do to make it get change is we plus plus it. Okay. So we have our initialization, our condition, and our increment all on the one line all together. Okay. And then a code block. And then the code block underneath for what we'd like to do, which in this case contains just one line, total plus equals AI. So we just right, update the right, sum. Right. Okay. And if you run it, this does exactly what the other one does, but it does so in a way it's easier to watch I. Because if you muck up I, you have an infinite loop on your hands. <laughs> yeah, and I, I remember the last thing you said uh, at the end of, I think it was at the end of the last episode, was you said, whatever you do, build these things up in little blocks and check each little piece, because you can do a whole bunch of these things, and then you could have this infinite loop going, and you would never have caught it, because you don't know where in your code it was screwed up. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, I would always build code up piecemeal so that I can make sure I don't do silly things. Mm-hmm. early on so if we copy and paste and run you'll see that it does exactly the same as the while loop it's just nicer to read okay. now you don't have to start i at zero and you don't have to have i go plus plus Ooh. you can do you can start it somewhere else and do something else but you do got to make sure it changes so that the condition is met at some point in the future so have you ever wondered what all the odd factors of 13 are that are less than a thousand in reverse order. I absolutely have, Bart. I've been wanting that for a long time. (laughs) It's a very weird thing to want to do, but the reason I'm showing you the code for it is to show you just how flexible these loops are. So to do that, let's do, we start our loop. So four of our i equals... Let's say say it again, because I I interrupted you right when you said it, but it's going to be the odd factors of 13 that are less than a thousand. In reverse order. Odd factors of 13. So what's divisible by 13 that's less than a 1,000, and I wanted the highest one first? Okay. Strange thing to want, like I say, but the point being you can do lots of things with these loops. So in this case, we don't want to start at zero and work up because we want them in reverse order. So we actually want to start at the top and work our way down. Okay. So what's the highest odd number less than a 1,000? Well, it's 999, so let's start there. So we say var 4, var i equals 999. Yeah, 999. Semicolon. Our condition is we've got to be greater than zero, so i greater than zero. Semicolon, i minus equals two. There's no point in going minus minus because every even number is even and not odd. So we may as well jump by two. So we start on 999, then we go to 997, 995, 993, 991, all the way down as long as we're greater than zero. All right. Yep. So that's so you can see, but again, if we were doing this as a while loop, those three things would be spread over three lines, and they would be much harder to make sure you're not being silly. 
So we can see on the one line what we're doing to i. Starting at 999, keeping going until as long as we're greater than zero. And what we do each time is we take away two. Then we say if i modulus 13 is zero, in other words, if this number that we're now at is divisible by 13 without a remainder, pbs.say i, print out the number. There's that modulus. And I totally know what that means. Yay! So if we run that, you will see what all the odd factors of 13 that are less than 1,000 in reverse order are. Wow. It's quite a few of them, actually. there were that many. Yeah, neither did I. So the first one is 975, then you have 949, 923, and all the way down to 13. So that, I hope, gives you some idea that you don't have to go i equals zero, i is less than the length of the array i plus plus. You can do other things. But the point being, you're making i go over a range of values until some condition is met. So we ended up with a, an embedded code block without said talking about did, it. did, yeah. So let's talk about that. So anywhere you can have a statement, you can have a code block. So we said that we have a code block with multiple statements. Well, an if statement is a statement, so we can have an if statement, and it contains a statement which can be made into code blocks. So yeah, you can have code blocks inside code blocks all the way down. So you could and just say if i modulus thirteen equals zero or equals equals zero, squirrely bracket PBSA. Got it. Yeah, you could even put another loop in there that says say it ten times by having another inner loop, but then you couldn't use i. You'd have to use a different variable name, so you maybe j. And you could say, you know, i is zero until i is less than 10 or whatever. And then you can have it print out the number 10 times. Like you can do these things. Right, right. And it's equals equals because that's what actually means equals. Yes. So in other words, if the remainder after dividing by 13 is effectively equal to zero, because it's double equals, not triple equals, Mm -hmm. then we print it out. Okay. Now, so I've already said this a few times informally, but I'm now going to say it formally. Watch out for infinite loops. <laughs> if you, in a browser environment, get yourself into an infinite loop, some browsers will detect that there's an infinite loop and will eventually get tired of... Well, they won't know it's infinite, but they will know that a script has been going for too long and they will pop up a message saying, do you want to continue running the script? It's acting very strangely. Or would you like me to kill the script? That's some browsers do that. It is a good thing. Not all browsers do. Safari, much to my annoyance when I tested this out myself, uh, Safari never offered to help. Really? So basically, yeah. So I copied and pasted the code example below into the playground running in Safari. I hit go or run. And that was it. The tab was now useless. Every time I moved my cursor over, I got a spinning pizza wheel of death. And after five minutes, it still was a spinning pizza wheel of death. And my only way to get anything back was to just close the tab. I swear I've seen it before and I primarily use Safari. Yeah, Firefox regularly pops up and says, this script is taking too long to execute. Do you want to terminate it? But I did it. Now, you're free to try. (laughs) There is there the ultimate infinite loop. While one double equals one do nothing. That is a very infinite loop. Because one is always equal to one. (laughs) Nice. Maybe I won't do it while I'm recording. Please don't, because your poor CPU may suffer too. So... You are very, very, very unlikely to do something like that by accident. That is not a realistic accidental for loop or accidental infinite loop in any way, shape or form. Right. The code snippet below is also an infinite loop, but it's much more subtle. So I'd like to, uh, I'd like to ask you why that next code snippet is infinite. All right, let's walk through it. So I've got uh, var a equals and we've got square brackets, one, two, three, four, five. And let's see. So var total equals zero. 
Good. R of R, I equals zero. Good. Now, while I is less than A dot length, and Uh A dot length will be five, uh, Mm -hmm. total plus equals AI. So the plus equals means keeps adding them together. Uh Uh-huh. I'm, and then I got a closed squirrely bracket. Uh-huh. Print the results. One would hope that was jumping out at me, but... What's missing? There's a line missing, which is why the for loop was oh. invented. Uh, it, no, no, it's got an... We've initialized I, we've used I. But we never, never incremented I. We never altered it in any way. Okay, so, so I will I always be zero. zero forever! Okay, so the total will always be zero. It'll keep growing. No, it won't. Yes, it will, because it's going around forever. One is always less than five. So every time the loop executes, total plus equals one, total plus equals one, total plus equals one, the total will just charge up oh, towards Oh, okay, that's right, because the value at zero is one. Okay, yeah. so it'd be just one, two, three, four, five, six, okay. To gotcha. infinity and beyond. <laughs> or, so we, or rather, till the limit of numbers in JavaScript, and then there will be no beyond. Yeah, what is that? Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's not find but you out. See how subtle that is because the while loop, if you're using a while loop to iterate over an array, it's so easy to leave out the increment statement because you're mm. thinking about what to do and you forget, which is why the for loop is so good. Now, the next one, another code snippet, don't read ahead, don't read the text in between and just look at the next code snippet. That's also an infinite okay. loop. All right. So it's he's got very a one, two, three, four, five, uh, var total equals zero. And mm-hmm. you said for var i equals a dot length minus one. So we're starting ai at, at four. At four. Then uh, i, let's see, greater than e- is greater than or equal to zero. Mm-hmm. So is. that's still our range, right? So our indexes go from, last time we were going from zero up to four. Right. There's no reason you couldn't go the other way. Right. So as long as i is greater than zero, then it says i plus plus. So we're going to increment i by one. So it's now five. Total AI f- would be five. But there's okay. nothing telling it when to stop. Well, there is. No. The problem is we're, going, we're counting I the zero, wrong But way. we're already I greater than zero. So I will always be greater than zero because it's only going up from five. In other words, out of pure muscle memory, because you almost always say I plus plus at the end, that a pure muscle memory, I do this. I do this to myself quite often. <laughs> I just type I plus plus because that's what I almost always do. But when you're but if I'm looking up, through the array backwards, it's I minus minus. Okay. okay. So by putting in plus plus instead of minus minus, I am charging off to infinity, and I will never become <laughs> less than or, equal, or greater than. Or, I will always be greater than zero. I will never become less than zero ever. Right. And so right. this thing will never end. Right, right. A very common mistake to, to to think, oh yeah, I'm going backwards, so I'll start at the back of the array, and then by the time you get to the end, you're in pure habit, you go I plus plus. And <laughs> off you go to infinity. That's just not going to work. Okay, so keep your eye on your plus pluses. Keep your eye on your initialization, condition, and increment. Those three together need to make sense, which is why the for loop was invented, so that you could see them on one line and scan across one line of code instead of having to scroll up and scroll down to see what's going on with I. Ah, okay. Because usually they're not this small and compact in the yeah, while Yeah, so loops. we have one line inside our loops, but there could easily be 10 or 20. And then suddenly the I++ would be 20 lines down from the I equals zero. Mm-hmm. And the condition would be another 19 lines above that again. So it, it's very easy to get it messed up, which is why you have this concept of a for loop. Okay. Okay. 
the next thing we would like to do is check whether or not a variable is an array. If we're going to go start, you know, looping through it, maybe we should check if it is an array first or not. Ah. So how do we tell if something is an array? So we already know that we can check if something is nan with the is nan function. Is there an is array function? No, there is not, because that would have been far too clever. <laughs> this is one of JavaScript's weaker points. We are going to use a function which for an operator, in fact, which for now I'm going to tell you to just take on faith. We will explain it in a few installments time in much more detail. The operator is called instance of, all one word, no capitalization. And the magic number, the magic thing you're going to say is array with a capital A. So in other words, if variable name instance of array with a capital A, that will evaluate to true if A is an array or false if A is not an array. Oh, okay. You know, it looks sensible, but instance of, as I say, we will come back to. Also, array with a capital A, we will come back to. That has, that is important, but for now, it doesn't make sense to us. And right. I can't make it make sense. Okay, I can be patient. So for now, just take it at face value. Blah, instance of array will evaluate to true if blah is an array. The other question is truthiness. How truthy is an array? So we've already learned that anything can be collapsed to true or false. So what happens with arrays? Well, all, all arrays are true. <laughs> okay. So even the empty array is true. All arrays are true. Very simple. Very, very simple rule. All arrays okay. are true. All arrays are true. So let's do a worked example in our playground. So I've already told you in the previous installment many moons ago before all the turtle swimming that you can access uh, the value in one of our three inputs in our little playground by saying pbs.input1 or pbs.input2 or pbs.input3. There's another function I haven't told you about yet called pbs.input.s, plural. That returns an array of all the non-empty inputs. So if you type one number in, the array will be of length one. If you type two numbers in, the array will be of length two. Okay. Am I making sense? Yeah. And if you type nothing into any of the three text boxes, the array will be of length zero. So inputs will give you back an array of all of the inputs that are set. So if they're empty, they don't they don't come back. Uh, now one reason. Wait, doing this so one more time in your one where you had one, two, and forty two, um, would that so this, be forty three or forty? Okay, so this is our three input text boxes in the interface, right? If you type nothing into any of them, then when you say pbs.inputs, you will get back an empty array. If you type anything at all into input two, then you get back just whatever you typed in there. As one so inputs item. are the values, not the not nothing yeah, the, the about the Yeah, the values type into these text boxes, right? This is a okay. feature of our playground, not a feature of JavaScript. Oh, 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 okay, okay. I missed a turn there. Got you. Because it starts with the word PBS. Anything Sorry, that starts with PBS yeah. is of my creation, right? Okay. So PBS that inputs will give us all the things that have been typed into those three inputs, if any. So it could be it's an array. It's an array. Minimum length zero. Maximum length three. Okay. Because there's three text boxes. So what I would like to do is write robust code that deals with potential problems in a sensible way to multiply together all of the non all of the numbers entered into those three inputs. So we're gonna instead of adding, we're gonna multiply. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do is we're gonna just ask 
the playground to give us that array of the values typed into those inputs. So var raw inputs equals pbs.inputs. So just give me the raw data. So that raw data at that point will be in what form? It will be an array of strings. Okay. Of but, length. Ah, because text box are always strings. Correct. Look at me. Yes. <laughs> and so it will be of length 0, 1, 2, or 3, depending on how many text no. boxes have something in them. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the first thing we do is check whether or not we got an answer at all. So if raw inputs.length. So raw inputs.length is going to be a number. And every number that's not zero evaluates to true. So in other words, the only time that this statement is false is if there are no inputs. Okay. So if we scroll down to line 33, you'll see the else. Let's just deal with that. And the else simply says, pbs.say, no inputs, enter numbers to calculate their integer product. Ah, okay. okay. So if we skip back up to line six. So assuming we now know from line six on, we know there is at least one number. Now, when you multiply things, so we were adding things, we started our counter at zero, and then we added all the numbers, and that worked fine. If you're multiplying and you start your counter at zero, you will have a terribly useless output. Because? Zero times anything is zero. Correct. So in this case, we're starting, I'm calling the variable prod for product, and I'm starting it at one. <laughs> okay. Because otherwise it's nonsense. <laughs> so we have a little loop. Four var i equals zero. i is less than raw inputs dot length i plus plus. So we're going to loop through our raw inputs. Why would you? You just finished. What? What? Okay. Oh, it's the increment. Pro product is like what, what we had total before. Pure yeah, product. Prod. Yeah, exactly. So okay. And then we say for each element in the in our number of inputs, which could be one, two, or three long. We don't know. Prod star equals parse int raw inputs i. In other words, multiply the integer, convert it to a number, and then multiply it into our little accumulator called prod. Okay, let me try to say this. For uh, we've we've started our increment of zero. Mm. Uh, if I if i equal or during the condition under which i is less than the length of raw inputs mm -hmm. um nothing's going to happen on that first loop right because i equals 0 no 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 that i'm sorry prod equal <sighs> okay we're not testing prod we're testing i so okay yeah. so if we walk through it right so first thing that happens in a loop is the initialization happens once so we right. make we create i and we make it be 0 right. the second thing that happens is the condition is checked Okay, so is, I is zero less... less than the length of the input? Well, we know it is because if the input was zero, we went to the else. So this is going to be true. <sighs> then we say... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I know you said that earlier, but I was hoping I just missed something. We never checked the length to go to the else statement. There was never... If, line five. Okay, it says if raw inputs.length what? Mm -hmm. If it what? Ah, Whatever's inside the if gets converted to a Boolean. Yes. Um, we make that be true or false. Whatever's in there is made be true or false. So raw inputs.length will be a number. So how do numbers convert? What's the truthiness of numbers? Right, 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 right. I get that if it's zero, it'd be false. But uh, right. how do we... Okay, I got to back up a line then. So var raw inputs... 
we declared the variable raw inputs and mm-hmm. we said it was pbs.inputs. But how do we know what pbs.inputs is? How do we know whether it's 0, 1, 2, or 3? Well, we, until we click run, we don't, right? So that's the point of this code. It will behave differently depending on what we well, do. wait a minute. No, we got to know before that if statement. We got to know what okay, raw well, inputs we do. is. So, well, we're saying raw inputs dot length. So we're saying give me the length of the array we've just created. So pbs.inputs returns an array of length 0, 1, 2, or 3, depending on what people typed in. So it is always an array, so it but always has it, a length. How does it know that pbs.inputs is 0, 1, 2, or 3? Well, I'm telling you that because that's the definition of what pbs.inputs does. There are three text boxes But that was never defined in here. No, because I've re- pbs.inputs was written by me, so it does what I say. Okay, okay. So now I've are backed we- us all the way up to the beginning again, but now I'm following that's you. That's fine. Okay. No, that's, that's the point of this, right? Okay, so we've got uh, our our variable raw inputs, and we know it's going to be a 0, 1, 2, or 3. So we've got it's something going to be to an array, to. and it's going to have a length, which is going to exist. That length could be 0. And at the very beginning, if it's raw inputs length equals 0, it's going to jump down to the, uh, the L statement where it says, hey, moron, you forgot to type anything in. Gotcha. Okay, so now I'm back into the uh, the conditions here. So if okay. we've got we've got a, a positive number for raw inputs.length, so we've mm-hmm. we've declared the variable uh, prod is going to be one. We're going to start there, and mm-hmm. for the index of zero, if that index is less than raw inputs dot length, so say say while because this is while, a loop. Remember, yeah. So while okay. I while I is less than the length of the array, okay. Then we're going to inc- we're going to increment it, right? Okay, but the way the order in which it happens is initialize check do increment. Okay, so we initialize variable to i. The condition is while i is less than the length. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to increment. Then we do it. the product, and then we do the increment, and then we check. Wait, we do the product, and then we do the uh, right. So it's so the first yes. Yeah, right, you think the plus plus happen? The plus plus has the last thing to happen. Yeah, that's kind of weird that the plus plus comes is before. Weird. But that's how we're keeping it all stuck together. So we yes. jump we jump out of that for statement, run over, run the prod, and then go back in and increment. Okay, all right. Yeah, I can and then we test, it. and then we go in increment test in increment test. Okay, in increment test. and the product statement is prod, which was our variable name times equals mm-hmm. the integer value done with a percent of raw inputs at increment i. So the is... value in the ith element of that array. Okay. So we're interested in the values, which okay. is why we have the square bracket i. Wow. Bart, I'm you looking see, at this and I can't... Yeah. <laughs> okay. This, this is why we have programming languages, right? Describing what to do here in English would take an essay. Describing what we want to do here in a programming language takes three lines. Right, but three, dense for me, lines. completely unintelligible line. Not completely, but... No, I, they're it's, dense. It's sort they're... of like I took four years of high school French and I was able to pull four words out of this paragraph you just read out loud. That's what it feels yeah. like. Right, but it's the information here is very dense. There's a lot happening in few characters. And that's the way it is with all programming languages. Yeah, but... Which is why it takes work to interpret a program. To actually understand five lines of code takes effort because there's a lot in a lot of effort. Okay, well, what I mean, we're just, doing we've is, gone through this in tiny, tiny little baby steps, and I still I look at it and go, hmm, I don't know. Right, but remember, there's a pattern here that you're going to see that is going to become as ingrained into you as slide to unlock or anything else you do by complete habit. 
this case, idea of looping through an array from start to finish. Looping and through then an array, I totally understand. I've done loops. And that's what we're doing, okay? That's yeah, what we're doing. I'm just saying that one line, line nine, prod times equals parse int parentheses raw inputs square brackets i close parentheses semicolon. Wow. Okay. Don't know what that means. I mean, okay. I, I know well, what it means because you told me, but I can't see it. Okay, so the prod is the name of the variable, becomes equal to, because there's an equals there, so becomes equal to whatever it was before multiplied by the integer version of whatever the person typed into the text box. At location i, which at this point in the loop is zero. The first time in it's zero, the next time in it'll be one. That's why I said at this point. Yes. It's zero. Okay. Then we make it be one bigger. We check if we still have some numbers to go through. And if we do, we multiply again. And if we have more, we multiply again. If we have more, we multiply again. Okay. So whether we put in one, two, or three numbers, this will happen the right amount of times because this, as long as it's less than raw inputs dot length. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if the length is two or 2,000, the code will work. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not hung up at all on the for loop. That doesn't bother okay. me a bit. It's just so, when you got down to the what it was going to do, it's like I've never seen it before, even though I know every piece of that I have seen before. Okay, <laughs> well, remember, I told you it was an array of strings. So if we did it without converting it to an integer, it wouldn't work. Right. Well, it's got to be strings because the they're text boxes. Right. That's why the parsint's there. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me just make this harder. Um, okay. So raw inputs at position... I, which is right now zero. If I wrote the word boogers, boogers is, is a string. Mm -hmm. It would parse int. Would, we don't have any Boolean going on, so it's not true. It would be nan. Parse It'd be int nan. nan. So this will just come out nan. Yeah, so the product. Okay. So you're going to be multiplying by nan. Anything by nan is nan. So therefore, the whole if you put boogers in, the whole output becomes nan. Okay, so at the very end, it will finish looping, but the answer will be nan. Yes, it will continue to do the mathematics, but it'll go, I have nan, I'm doing something to it. I don't care what I do, it's nan. <laughs> okay. Okay, so at this point in the loop, at this point in the code, what we have is a number. Prod now contains, when we get to line 11, which I know is blank, but the for loop is finished at line 11. When we get to line 11, prod is going to contain a number, which is going to be the result of those multiplications. That number could be nan. Yeah. So now we've got to tell the user what's happened. So I'm going to build up a string representing, first off, the raw inputs, because I want to be able to print out something very pretty. So before we dig into this code, let's just run it to see how it behaves, and then we'll, we'll work back to see how I made it behave so nicely. Right? Okay. Let's, let's do it that way. So paste in all that code, and first off, run it with no inputs. Okay. And it will tell you very kindly what you should have done. Whoops, I put in a zero, and that's not no inputs. Correct. Believe it or not, that was a correct sense. Okay, no inputs, enter numbers to calculate their integer product. So let's put in two, just two, no more than two. And then we run. Okay. I'm going to say the integer product of two is two. Right? Not very exciting. So let's put four into the last checkbox, just to really... So two and then a four. Yeah, or you two, a blank and a four. I don't really care what order, because remember, I'm taking care of worrying about that stuff in when I wrote the function pbs.inputs. So okay. it doesn't matter whether you put it in three or two or whatever. Okay. So if you do that, you will say the integer product of two and four is eight. Yes. 
Now, put one into the third box, so say five. And now we see that we're behaving very nicely. So the interproduct of two comma five and four is 40. Ah, so, so that's the nice part. Right? So we're being very, very nice here. Okay. We're putting in commas and ampersands. So making a computer be so human actually takes a lot of work. <laughs> which is what everything from line 12 as far as line 29 is doing. Oh, wow. Right? <laughs> so the actual work was lines 7 to 9, or 7 <laughs> to 10. And then making it pretty is lines 12 to 25. <laughs> okay? But now we can look at those lines, now that we have an idea of what they're for, right? Because otherwise it would be, I'd be explaining something very abstract. I like so the we comment want to in the line, by the way. What Bart has written in here says, uh, two slashes for a comment, build a string representing the raw inputs nicely. Yes. So input string equals blank. So we're starting off with nothing, and then we're going to build it up. So we're going to say, okay, so again, a loop. Bar i equals zero, i is less than the number of inputs, so raw inputs dot length i plus plus. So we're looping through our array again. But instead of multiplying this time, we're gonna we're gonna build up a string. So the first thing we say is if i is greater than zero, that means we are not the first element. So add a separator of some kind, right? If we're not the first element, either a comma or an ampersand is needed. Oh, right, right, right. Because if there's only one value in there, it just says the integer product. Well, two. the first one doesn't need a separator, right? The first yeah. one. So in the case of our three, the first one is just the first number. Mm-hmm. And only then, after we've done the first number, do we need a separator. So if i is greater than zero, we need something to separate it. So the next question is, are we at the last number? Because if we're at the last number, we want an ampersand. Otherwise, we want a comma. So the next inside that if statement, we say, if i double equals raw inputs.length minus one. In other words, if we are one less than the length of the array, then we're at the last element because of this counting from mm. zero nonsense. Mm-hmm. And then we say, okay, so we're at the last element, so we separate with an ampersand. Input string plus equals ampersand. <laughs> Else, we're not at the end and we're not at the beginning, so we're somewhere in the middle. Therefore, we separate with a comma. Input string plus equals comma. It's so and then interesting we actually that, in, that strings can be built up with plus equals, but I get it. That's concatenate in this case, right? Yeah, exactly. But if it were a number, it would be actually adding values. Yes, That's exactly. Interesting. So okay. all of that code there was to see whether or not we want to put in a separator, and if we do, which one? And then finally we say concatenate the string version of the number into that too. Mm-hmm. And that builds up our pretty string. So the first time into the, uh, the, first time into the loop, we just print the number. You say input string plus equals the number. The second time in, i becomes greater than zero. So then we say, are we the last element? If we are, put in an ampersand, then put in the number. Otherwise, put in a comma, then put in the number. And when you keep doing that simple-ish process, you get out a pretty string. Hmm. (laughs) I know, it's a lot of work to be pretty, right? Yeah, yeah, it really is. So then the last thing in there is we just print out the answer. PBS.say, the integer product of... And then we concatenate in the input string is, and then we concatenate in the product. Hmm. And that is how we make it behave in a very beautiful way. That's but it took a lot of effort because yeah. computers are stupid. This is why programs are so long. <laughs> yes, it is. What we have done here is in a way that, uh, that allows for human error. And any program that doesn't allow for human error is a program that is going to crash because humans do silly things. <laughs> so we have done here is allowed humans to multiply three numbers and it has taken us 36 lines of code. Wow. So yeah, no wonder Windows takes a lot of lines of code. (laughs) (laughs) And OS X. Yes. Now, 
I couldn't do arrays. Or, sorry, I couldn't do loops. So we're going to leave arrays aside for now, and we're just going to worry about some more looping for our second worked example. You can't talk about loops without doing times tables. It's just some sort of rule of. It's like you have to start with hello world. You have to do tables if you're going to do loops. Is this like how last time you uh, you had to do a truth table? Yeah, exactly. It's just one of those things. You just have to do it. So the times tables, right? So let's start off with a little bit of code to do the multiplication tables between one and a given number. So in other words, if I say to do up as far as five, I want the one times tables, the two times tables, the three times tables, the four times tables, and the five times tables. If I say six, I want them all as far as six. If I say seven, I want them all as far as seven. Yes? No? Yes. Mm -hmm. So we'll break that into... Two parts. So first off, how do we just do a single table? And then we're going to loop that to make more tables. So let's start with a single tables. And we're going to say that the table to do, we're going to say input one is going to be the table we print out. So var n equals parsint raw input. So, okay, sorry, let me start over. So let's, okay, let's do what we did last time and actually put the code in and run it before I describe the code. Otherwise, this is going to be very difficult to explain. So in input one, I would like you to put in the number of the table you want. So let's put in three. Okay. And then when you hit run, you will see the three times tables. Yes. If you put in five, you will see the five times tables. Mm -hmm. Okay, so not, no, no lostness with up what it does. To three times table goes up to the value of three times 12. Yeah, all of them go up to 12, right? So oh, okay. that's how I learned in school. Maybe American schools are different. In Ireland, go to maybe 10. because we had the metric system. Sorry, not the metric, the imperial. We still had inches and stuff. <laughs> we went to 12. Interesting. Oh, all no. of our books went to 12. We huh. learned everything. I wonder if anybody goes to 11. So we, we learned all the tables as far as 12. So we learned 12 sets of tables and each of them up to 12. Huh? So as far as we were concerned, 144 was where the world ended. <laughs> <laughs> Just 12 times 12. And also known as a gross. By the oh. way, a dozen dozen is a gross. Fun facts to know and tell. Yeah. Okay. So as you can see, what we're doing is we're taking the number we put into input one, and then we are multiplying that by one, by two, by three, by four, by five, by six, by seven, by eight, by nine, by 10, by 11, and by 12. So it's probably no surprise to you there's a loop involved here. <laughs> and we're going to loop from one to 12. Okay. Again, we're dealing with humans. So the real work here is done in lines 11 to 13. But because there's humans involved, this actually has 14 lines of code. <laughs> so let's start by getting the number that I typed that we typed into input one. So we say var raw input equals pbs.input one. So I don't know what it is yet. It's a string for now, because that's how inputs work. Then I say var n equals parse int raw input. So in other words, now I am making n be an integer. I got that one. Okay. Okay. Now let's see if this integer makes any sense whatsoever. So if that integer is nan, or it's less than one, it's not what we want. We only want positive integers. So we're going to print out a message to the user saying invalid input, input one must be a positive integer. Okay. Okay. I just tested it with the word three and the number negative seven, and they both failed. Perfect. As they should. Else... The input was valid, so print the table. So okay. to print the table, we say for var i equals 1, because we'd like to start with 1. i is less than or equal to 12, because we want to go all the way to 12, not to 11, hence the less than or equal to. And i++, plus plus because we want to go up by 1. And we say pbs.say, the number concatenated with the multiplication symbol, 
concatenated with the current value of the counter, concatenated with the equal sign, concatenated with the result of multiplying n by our current counter. That's an easier example, actually. I would have gone with this one first. (laughs) I follow this one. Okay, and you can see what it does. It's very nice. Yeah. So now let's take it to the next level. And by taking it to the next level, Uh we get to have a loop inside a loop, which is why we're doing this example. So now I would like to do all the tables from one to the number you've typed in. So if you type in three, I want to do the one times table, the two times table, and the three times table. If you type in seven, I want to do the one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. So it's the same thing, but just an extra bit of repetition. Okay. So to, to repeat all of this, we wrap the whole all of this in another loop. So let's, first of all, copy and paste in the code so we can see it in action. Yep. That works much better. So command A, command V. So I'm not going to start with seven. Let's start with three. We see we have the one times table, the two times table, and the three times table. Yep. And we can go to seven. And you can see we go all the way as far as seven. Okay, so it's behaving in a very sensible way. So now let's look at the code. And a lot of this is very similar. So we start off by saying, get me the, you know, do the human friendly bit, get the input, convert it to an integer, check if it's nan, make sure it's greater than one. And then we get as far as the real code starts at, say, line 10. From line 10 on, we know the input is valid. We know we've been asked to say something sensible. Right. Okay. So for var i equals one, i is less than or equal to n i plus plus. So n is going to be the how far we want to go with these tables. Then, for the first time, we have seen J come into being. Pull the top. Inside that loop, we have for var J equals one. J is less than or equal to twelve. J plus plus. Well, that's very familiar to us. That's going from one to twelve, just like we did before. Then we have our PBS dot say the number i. So in other words, where we are in our counter, concatenated with the multiplication symbol, concatenated with J, which is what it is we're multiplying by at the moment concatenated with equals, concatenated with the actual multiplication. So I star J. Then we may or may not want to stick in a blank line. Mm. Because if we, I don't want one table to go straight into the other without a gap. That would be really difficult to read, right? If it was 1x12 and then 2x1 on the next line. Yes? Yeah. I want a gap. So if I double equals N, in other words, if we're on the last line of this table, just put in a blank line. PBS that's a empty string. Okay. This doesn't say double equals. It says Sorry, exclamation if point I equals. Not, hang on. If I is. You've got an exclamation point equals. Okay, I let think. me read my own code. Oh, sorry. Yes. Okay, I'm being even more pernickety. <laughs> there, right, scroll down to the very, 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 very bottom. Uh-huh. There is no blank line at the very, very bottom. Okay. Without that if statement, there would be a blank line trailing off the end, and that would make me unhappy because that's untidy. <laughs> so what does exclamation point equals mean again? Not equals. That is not equals. So if we're not on the last one, do put in the blank line. If we are on the last one, don't put in a blank line. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, not equals. I hate that yeah. one because I can't tell it's an I. I have to scroll way up to see what it is. It looks like a pipe. Just because of the font. Well, I'll tell you something. In JavaScript, pipes only come in pairs. Oh, to be or. To be or. Okay. All right. And that's it, believe it or not. So if, if you so I keep incrementing up and I is the number of times we're going to do this and J yeah, so, is the value until it gets to 12. 
Yes. Times n. Wait, where did n go? There is no n is what we've asked it to keep going to. So we're going to do all oh, of the right, tables right, right, as far right. as n. That's right. That's right. We're comparing it to n because we know how far we want to go. Gotcha. 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 Correct. Yeah, I, Bart. I know this is a more complex example, but I think it, it I know. it's easier for me than the first one. <laughs> different people have very different opinions of these things. I found the I I don't like going to an extra dimension, whereas I find arrays fine. And some people are perfectly happy to go to the nth dimension and hate arrays. So I guess different people will have different uh, outcomes on this. All right. So we have today done some really important stuff in computer science. So we have now covered some really, really important fundamentals here. We know how to make variables so we can store information. We know how to how to operate on those variables, how you know to multiply, check for equality, all those kind of things. We know how to branch, do one thing if one condition is met, something else if it's not met. Now we've learned that we can have lots of values in one variable and that we can iterate over the same instruction multiple times using loops. We are well on our way here to CS101. Right? We are at Christmas in CS101. Wow. Well, maybe Halloween. We are certainly a long way into CS101. We have done a lot. Wait, school starts in September, so we're a month in? <laughs> yeah, but in three hours. <laughs> right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, uh, we are doing pretty darn well for ourselves. So the next step in our learning process is we are going to learn how to make our work reusable. So we are going to learn how to take a chunk of code that does something useful and then give it a name. And then we can just say, do that thing again by using its name. In other words, we're going to learn about functions. So like how to create pbs.input? Exactly like that. So I have done some work. And I have wrapped it up and given it a name, PBS that inputs. And you have no idea what it is or how it works, but you just know that if you say PBS that inputs, it will do what I said because it's running my code. Right. So we're taking some code and giving it a name so we can rerun it over and over again. That is functions. And that is on the agenda for the next time. All right. That sounds fun. I gotta tell you, I'm loving this part. I'm having fun. I was stuck Good. for a little while there, but you pulled me through the other side. Well, this is one of the more difficult ones, right? If it, I'm remembering back to my time teaching at university level and loops and arrays tend to send people, if you'll excuse the pun, for a loop. <laughs> Functions tend not to have that effect on people. So I think next week will be an easier one. Okay, equally as important, equally as critical to understanding programming, but less likely to make your head explode. I, I got to tell you, though, my, my consistent feeling in this is, is it is like when I was in French class that I, I and I really did take four years of high school French. And at the end of four years of high school French, if you spoke French to me, I could understand some of the words you said to me. And perhaps I'd be able to tell whether you asked for a basket or wanted to go to school. But my ability to create that in language was severely limited. So that's why I get stuck when I see the syntax. I get like, well, I can tell what that means, but I, I can't create that. I can't create pretty much anything we've done yet. Right. And, and I'm afraid homework. to say this is where our 10,000 hours comes in. I cannot make you be able to create. The only way you get there is by setting yourself some sort of task to achieve. Yeah. So maybe that's banging your head about. off it for a while. Yeah. I, but maybe that's part of the uh, maybe we need homework. Oh, the whole no, class is going, no! <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. Who's that teacher's pet in the front row asking for homework? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea. Set a challenge and give the answer next time. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. 
Hmm. I will consider this. All right. I'm sure the class is mad at see if I can come up with something me. nice to say this as a challenge. Now, one thing I will say is, so for now, we're still in abstract land, right? We are still, we're in the playground instead of using this stuff for real. So this has the potential to not be all that exciting because we're still in the playground. But remember that our goal is to be able to actually integrate this into web pages. So mm-hmm. when when we can do that, we will be able to create stuff like, say, um, subnetcalc.it, which is my subnet calculator. That is entirely 100% HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. There is no other technology involved. So if you go oh. to subnetcalc.it... You put in, say, 10.0.0.0 as the IP address and the netmask of 255.255.255.0 and click Calculate. All of that is being done in JavaScript, CSS, and HTML. Very cool. And if you click Show Calculations, you can see that all sorts of binary maths is going on there. All of it is being done through what we're learning now. And you, we will have the ability to do this in a few weeks' time. Wow. But we got we got to learn the basics of JavaScript before we can learn how to tie it into the browser. Okay. I'm, I'm okay being in the playground. I mean, you could even give us a homework assignment. Maybe I'll just make one up for myself that said, um, you know, create even just using your little playground with some inputs that said, okay, make these, the subtract the second number from the first and compare it to the last and have the sentence say this. And I'd be stuck for about five hours. So that would, it doesn't even have well, to be created. I mean, starting from a blank page, try to do the addition tables instead of the multiplication tables. Yeah. Right. And as, sure. as long as you're not copying and pasting and just changing one multiply sign to a plus sign, right. you're actually doing real work. So if you just try to recreate, even just try to recreate my examples from only the text saying what they should do and not looking at any of my code, right? Well, but I don't know any the, of the syntax. I mean, there's no idea. I have no idea where the semicolons go, when it's a parenthesis right. versus a squirrely bracket, but right. I'd have so, to learn exactly. it. Exactly. So start, start with that empty page. And the first thing to do is to try suck the value out of the input and convert it to an int. And then just oh. do a pbs.say on it and make sure you've got that bit right. Oh, that's a good idea. Right? Right, because that is how you would do. Remember, I, I I really do mean this. When you're when I'm programming something, I like to run it as off as early and as often as I can. I like to build it up as Lego pieces, and then I'm confident that this bit's done. Right. So, actually, fact, I'll give you a real example because I spent this week in work programming stuff. I don't always get to do that, but I got to do it this week. So we had to write a fairly complex system for authenticating users into another system. It's a long story why we have to do this. But it has a bunch of parts. It has a front end, which is a user interface. The user enters their username and password, and then it invokes some back-end code, which then has to go and check their username and password against Active Directory. And if that passes, it has to go fetch a piece of information and return that back to the original page, which then has to do something with it. So there's a whole bunch of interacting parts here. And so when I, my approach for this is start with the back-end that has to do the, cal- the, the calculation. So can I submit a username and a password? And can, I tell, can, I, can they be received? Run the code. Okay, great, got them. Can I authenticate off AD? Okay, great, that much works. Can I fetch the piece of information? Great, that much works. Can I return the piece of information? Great, that much works. Okay, now let's put an interface around this to make it pretty. And, and, you're, and you're pretending about the, okay, that part works part, right? It's sugar, that didn't work. That's why all right, really yeah, does. you get to that part works. And the way you get to that part works is, oh, oops, line 12, you say, forgot my, oh, look, there you go. Yeah, okay, that really should have been a blah instead of a blah. Yeah, oh yeah, you're full of those, right? Okay. 
Uh, as we will learn, there is a, a thing called a console in the browser that lets you see error messages from JavaScript in the browser. And you will see the little red exclamation point come up if you're a Safari user. Uh, horrible, evil red exclamation mark with a number next to it. You hope the number is 1 and not 999. Uh, <laughs> and then it will tell you, line number, blah de blah following error happened. Oh, you know, oh, yeah, I guess if I misspell the word 4, that will happen. And trust me, I do those kind of things. <laughs> Well, good. You're human. I just want to make sure people didn't think you just typed it and it always worked. No, exactly. And it's very good you pointed out because the reason I break it into pieces and, and make each one work individually is because that way I have a chance of making it work, right? If you have 900 lines of code and it doesn't work, where do you begin? You know, you build up your confidence in the Lego blocks and then stack the Lego blocks together. Right. All right. Well, we okay, made it through good. another one. Yay! I, believe it or not, I have the next, I think it's four, written. Because you've been wow. away for so long, I've just been typing. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. All right. I'm looking forward to it, Bart. Okay. Well, until then, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show, so if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon or App Store affiliate links you'll find over at podfeet.com. I love feedback, so if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com. If you want to join in the conversation with other listeners, you can go over to our Google Plus community at podfeet.com slash Google Plus or our Facebook group over at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed. Bye.